You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. That song, Singing His Praises, Jesus is Mine. Hope you've been singing about Jesus this week. In your Bibles, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, who needs a fill-in-the-blank sheet tonight? Who needs it? Anybody? Last week it was like six people. May I tell you? All right? Never know what to expect. How about a pen? Anyone need a pen tonight? A pen? There you go. I want it back. All right. <laughs> Anybody else? What do you need here? You got it? You have a pen in your hand. All right. Okay. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And I've got my lapel a little bit higher than normal here, so be careful with that volume up there. All right, guys. Good. Ecclesiastes chapter number 1. We started this series last week, and, uh, and, and I have already enjoyed it. I hope it was a good introduction to the book for you. And uh, probably some of that, of course, was review for, for some of you. And uh, for maybe others, it was all brand new stuff. But Ecclesiastes is, is a, a book of, and if we're looking at verse number one, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, we're remembering that Solomon was the only king uh, in Jerusalem that was a son of David. So we're under the assumption that Solomon wrote this book. Never directly says it, but certainly when you see all that the guy went through and all that he had, it really, I mean, I don't know who else it could be. But, uh, it, and it's also a book that is kind of the antithesis to Proverbs, where uh, when you read Proverbs, there is, you know, God's wisdom that we get from that book. And then when you open up the book of Ecclesiastes, you're really getting man's wisdom. You're, you're viewing things from a, a man viewpoint. Under the sun is oftentimes what it, the, the phrase that is used there. And uh, like in verse 3, what profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? So it's very much a, a, a mindset and a view of the world from down here instead of looking with a heavenly point of view. And so we, we want to have, as Christians, we ought to have a heavenly perspective, not a human perspective. Yeah, of course we're going to see things as humans see things. We're human. But we also have insight through the Bible as to how God wants us to view life and how God views certain things. And that's, that's a great privilege. That's kind of like, you know, knowing how the game's going to turn out. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a great blessing for us to be able to know that. And so the more we know about the Word of God, the more of a godly viewpoint we'll have on things. So, but, but this book is, is a lot of Solomon, uh, and I'll refer to the author as Solomon, uh, a lot of Solomon just kind of getting to the end of his rope uh, because he has lived for pleasure. Now, remember the theme for the book of Ecclesiastes. Who remembers the theme? Who, re who remembers the theme for the book of Ecclesiastes? $50 for who remember. And uh, There we go. Brother uh, Delgado's going to give you 50 bucks. Here we go. Something like that. Close. Anybody got the theme? I mean, if you look hard enough, no, it's not on there. From last week, it's okay. I'm going to quiz you next week, okay, as long as you're ready. All right? No one else, you got it? So the, the, the theme for this book, and, and, 
and Jocelyn alluded to it there, but it's, it's the emptiness of life without God. The emptiness, oh yeah, I, I knew that. Yeah, I know you did. You had a long week, it's okay. Ask me what I preached on Sunday, I don't remember. And, uh, but uh, yeah, it's the, it's the emptiness of life without God. And so that's, that's what Solomon really got to later in life is a life where he was no longer serving the true God and, um, and uh, he found a lot of emptiness. So let's look down at Prover- uh, Proverbs, at Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We're going to cover verses 1 through 11. And tonight's message, I've entitled it The Preacher's Thesis. Let's pray and I'll explain that. Father, bless, I pray, these next few moments of Bible study that we have. Lord, I I always want to give correct information. I want to give correct doctrine and teaching about the Word of God. But, Lord, we we, we want so earnestly, not just the information, but that, Holy Spirit, you would perform some transformation in our lives tonight. I don't want to walk out of here the same way I walked in. I want to walk out more like Jesus. And more, uh, more in love with you and more in love with your word. So bless us and help us tonight uh, to find something in the message that you want to speak to us about. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Verse 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to the place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south, and turneth about to the north, and whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to its circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. And things, all things, are full of labor. Now, remember he said all, in verse 2, all is vanity. Now he says all things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there's no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new. It hath already been of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are come with uh, uh, that are to come with those that shall come after. We're going to take our uh, our next few moments to explain some of those verses there. But there's really two sections to what we're going to see tonight. The first section, if you want to fill in that blank, there is the assumption. The assumption. Now, I, I, I titled this the thesis. How many of you have ever had to write a paper and you had to have a thesis statement? Did you ever have to do that? Okay, many of you. And look, you survived. You made it. At the time, it was like, I can't do this, right? It's horrible. Who wants to do that? It's your topic sentence, right? It's your main idea. And so Solomon here is putting forth his thesis statement for the book of Ecclesiastes in verses 1 through 3. He's saying, this is what I'm going to talk about in this book. So this is his, now I call it an assumption. It's really his theory. It's his, it's his thesis statement. And, uh, but the thing about when you have a theory, or the thing about when you write a paper and you have a thesis statement, you know what you also have to have? Facts. You have to back it up. And so that's going to be the second part when, when, when he tests his theory. But the first thing, let's talk about here, first of all, is the assumption. So here's the preacher 
making some assumptions about life. He has formed a thesis statement based upon his experiences. What's his thesis statement? Vanity of vanities, emptiness of emptiness, futility of futility. Uh, 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 what's the other word there? Meaninglessness of meaninglessness, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all the labor which he taketh under the sun? Uh, so he said, what is the purpose of it all? It's all vain. Now, we use the word vain as proud and arrogant. Ah, oh, that person is so vain. I remember uh, on, a, on the bus route in Bible college, uh, we went and picked up kids out of San Jose, and one of the little girls that would get on the bus was named Vanity. And I was like, don't name your kid Vanity. You know, and it was so funny because she was seven or eight years old, and she would always come with, like, curled hair, makeup all over, and I was like, maybe the mom was onto something. I don't know. But, uh, but the, the name Vanity, we mean like, you know, and like, remember those little stands, they're called like vanity stands or something? They were called that because ladies were looking into the mirror a whole bunch, okay? And uh, that's, that's, they got the name. But that's not the same type of vanity that we're talking about. Vanity, yes, they have vanity, pride is, is bad. This is just saying empty. It's empty, it's meaningless. Life is empty, life is meaningless. All the work that I do is futile, is futile. What profit, what, what can I show from all the labor that I've done? At least when you go to work, uh, you get to come home with a paycheck, and you get to provide food, you get to pay $8,000 for an egg. You, know, you get to do things like that. You get something to show for. Solomon is saying, look, my life is empty. There's no profit to what I do. So I want to just say this as you're writing in the next thing here. We need to be careful that we view life from a biblical perspective. We talked about the heavenly perspective. Same idea here. We need to be careful that we view life from a biblical perspective. Because, look, just because you experience something doesn't mean that your view is absolute truth. One of the things we hear so often in our day and age is this new idea, which is not so new, but this is what we say, is that that's my truth. That's, well, that's your truth. You could try to witness and share the gospel with somebody. You know, Jesus died for your sins. Well, that's, that's your truth. My truth. Now, hold on, hold on. Truth is truth. I absolutely believe in absolute truth. That, yeah, some things are right. Some things are wrong. It can't just be, well, that's right for you. That's, well, how about I murder this person? Is that right for me but wrong for him? That makes Some of these ideas that we're having, and uh, you know, we use the word wokeism a lot in our, in our day and age, but a lot of that type of mentality is so feeling-based and so earthly-minded based. It has no biblical background, and it only leads to ruin. And so we need to be careful that we view things from a biblical perspective. You know, sometimes people can have the bit-dog syndrome. Or, or, or the dog bites and whatever you want to call it. In other words, like, you, you, let's say you go for a walk and, uh, you know, you see a dog. And you go out there and you go to pet the dog. And, by the way, why would you pet strange dogs walking down the street? And, uh, and the dog bites you. And so now what can happen is because of your experience, whereas you once loved dogs, now you view all dogs as every dog bites. Every dog bites. Every dog harms. And so, you know, you can see people that have been abused. Every man is evil. Every man is this. And then you can go to races. Every person of this race or nationality is this. And, and, and so on and so forth. Where Because of your experience, you're now labeling and you're now saying that everything is this way. No, we need to make sure that we go back to the Bible. Because not everything you think is right. 
You understand that? Not everything you think is correct. You know, you, you shouldn't believe everything you think. So you go back to the Bible and you say, okay, God, I've learned some stuff in the world this week, and now wash it, wash my brain with this book and help me to see things appropriately. Amen? That good? Okay. Let's move on here. So what is the view of the preacher? Look what he says in verse number two. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. All what? All, what profit hath the man of all his labor? So his, his view is, right, this in all labor all labor is meaningless. All the work that I did, there's no good. What good did it do me? All this work. So that is his assumption. This is his theory he's putting out there. His thesis statement for the book is, look, everything that you do on this earth is worthless. It means nothing. Now I want to show you a little bit of how he got that way. So the next part, though, is not the assumption, it's the argument. So part two is the argument. So you put forth a, a thesis, you put forth a theory, you put forth an, a, 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 you attest something, you assume something, then you have to back it up with facts. And so the argument that he's going to make is he's going to say, see, this is what I believe and this is why I believe it. Well, let's look at some of these things that he says. Why does life seem so futile? so uh, empty, so meaningless to Solomon. Okay, look at some of these verses in your Bible. One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he, is, uh, where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south, and toward the north, that whirleth around continually, and the wind returneth again according to its circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, do they return again? Uh, all things are full of labor. Men cannot utter, man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear with he, filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. It's already been done, it's being done again, and there is no new thing under the sun. And we read the, uh, these verses before, we'll get to them in a little bit, uh, in more detail. But listen, if the, if the wisest man, aside from Christ, to walk the earth fell into a mindset of futility, then we better be careful about it too. If your life feels empty, if your work feels meaningless, if what you're doing, whether it be life and work, and sometimes we equate those two things, if it feels empty or, or meaningless or, or not worth anything, why is it that way? Well, let's look at some of these verses here. I want you to write this in the blank. These verses show us what his spirit had become. What his attitude was. This is, these verses are telling us, giving us insight into the attitude of the preacher. And again, please remember that just because he felt that way doesn't mean it was true. He, he was viewing things in the early portions of this book through a very pessimistic, uh, humanistic mindset. And so let's just look at some of these things here. And uh, why did his attitude become like this? Well, here's his argument. Number one, no variety. No variety. Let's look at verses five and six again. He said, the sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to the place where he arose. So it goes up, it comes down, then it goes around the earth real quick. Of course, we know that that's not 
technically how it happens, but that's his viewpoint. The wind goeth toward the south and turneth about into the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to its circuits. What's he saying there? The sun rises, the sun goes down, and guess what? It's going to come up again, and I bet I can tell you where it's going to come up. You know, and then the wind, it, it comes from this way, it goes that way, then it starts right back where it was again. What's the attitude? The attitude is that he is focusing on the monotony of life. Boring. Seen it before. Every day is the same thing over and over again. We used to say, same old, same old. You know, it's the same old thing, same old day. Nothing has changed. No variety. Have you ever felt that way with work? You go into work and it's like, same old, same old. You know, for some of you, every day is different. And for some of you, you'd love to have more of a stability where you walk in and you know exactly what you're going to face. But some of you walk into a hospital room and you're nursing or something, you're like, I don't know what it's going to be today. You know, or you walk into a job site or something, you know, uh, who knows what I'm going to face today? You know, who knows what's coming around the pike? Some people want that stability and other people are like, man, I would love to get out of this boring, boring type of job and, and, and you know whatever whatever slot you are in right now sometimes we can just get to a point where there's no variety and it's just we're just drudge it's drudgery to get through it you ever watch like a cartoon or a movie and how they depict a boring job like it's always the same it's like you know you have someone sitting at a desk and there's 57 other desks behind them all doing the same thing they're moving a paper here stamping it putting the paper here you know they have a stack this big like that's how they picture you know work and so for eight hours a day this is all you're doing you know in your room and and what they're trying to picture is monotony they're trying to picture a, a, a boring a same old same old type of lifestyle but then you know that person that's been doing this they find something they love to do and they've always wanted to dance or they've always wanted to sing or they've always wanted to, and they find their jo- look every job everybody's life sometimes gets a little stale it does not my life pastor it's so exciting well then pray for the rest of us because sometimes life gets a little bit stale well william cooper it's it's spelled c-o-w-p-e-r but pronounced cooper who was a good friend of john newton who wrote amazing grace uh william cooper wrote uh, there is a fountain filled with blood that we sing in our songbook but he was the one that said this statement uh, variety is the spice of life. That gives it all its flavor. Variety is, the, you've heard that phrase, variety is the spice of life. Have you ever tried food without spice? You ever had beans without like some salt or something? Have you ever eaten a potato by itself? It's terrible. Who was just like, you know what, hold the salt, just give me the potato. Skin on, no, skin on. No one's doing this. All right, it's like you, you gotta have, you, you mash it up. If you wanna make good mashed potatoes, here's the recipe. You take a potato, you put a stick of butter on top of it, you mash it up, you drown it in salt, and that's about the best it's gonna get, okay? Or some chives or something. Like, it's a very bland uh, 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 thing. I wonder what they tasted like in the Garden of Eden. You know, like it had to have tasted better, right? Was it like an apple? Um, you know, just like so good. I, I just wonder those things, like just, Pray for me, I'm going crazy, obviously. But, uh, but we would say, hey, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty bland. It's like broccoli without nacho cheese. You know, it's like, how do you eat that stuff? So what I'm saying is, you have to sometimes have the variety in life. You gotta spice things up a little bit. 
marriages get stale. Relationships get stale. Church services can get stale. Things get stale, and, and we need to spice them up a little bit. Now, there are, on your sheet here, there are times where we need to embrace the day-to-day -day responsibilities we have. It's called the grind for a reason. You got to get up and do it again. But guess what? Just because you did it today, that job is still there tomorrow. By the way, thank God you got the job. But get up and do it again. And, and oh, there's no variety. You got to fit in somewhere. But there are times where you got to just embrace the day-to-day -day stuff and get through it. I told my wife, I think I've preached 11 times in, in nine days or 10 days. 11 different messages, 11 different preparations. We had all these funerals and all these different things and, and church services and all that. And, and you know, what I was doing a lot this last week was grinding through it, to be honest with you. I loved sermon preparation and all that, but there was, some, there was just times where I was like, ooh, I need a nap, but I gotta just grind through this and I gotta get this done. But there are some days where you have to do that, but there are also days, fill this in, where our soul needs some variety. Aren't you glad God told you after six days of work to take a day? Get some variety. Go out and do something. Smell the roses or the marijuana leaves in, in Long Beach. Whatever, you know. <laughs> smell something. Like it's, there's a lot of stuff around here to smell, you know. But, uh, you know, go to Signal Hill and look out uh, uh, on all the smog and the ocean if you can see. No, I'm just kidding. That's a very, that's a very Solomon type of viewpoint of Long Beach. Uh, but there is beauty here. You know, and, and, and just variety is so very important. And maybe you feel like you're stuck in a rut. I remember one of my professors at Bible college always say, a rut is a grave with the ends kicked out. It's a grave with the ends kicked out. Now, you know, and, and so in other words, get out of the rut, you know, and, and find some variety. But, but honestly, if you're feeling like, man, life is just empty, do you just need some variety? I'm not saying, I need a different church. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can spice your life up. It's an amazing thing what a little spice can do to a dish and to your life. So Solomon's saying, there's no variety. My life's futile. Look at verses 6 and 7. The wind goeth toward the south, turneth again to the north. It whirleth about continually. And the wind returneth again according to its circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. You can see, you know, the water coming off the mountain and traveling down through the streams and everything and getting into the sea. But the sea doesn't rise, and the water doesn't stop. What's the point of it? Then there's evaporation. It comes over here, and it rains, and the water comes back down. And it's just this, a cycle. And he's saying, you know, it, it's over and over and over again. And they return whether they uh, come again. What's he saying? He said, first of all, there's no variety. But secondly, there's no finality. There's no finality. It, 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 the wind goes around like it's supposed to, and then it has to do it again the next day. The, the rivers run into the sea, but the sea doesn't get full. And this just keeps happening over and over and over again. Nothing stays done. You ever feel like that? Nothing stays done. And that's why you have to do the same thing over and over again. Because nothing stays done. The job is never finished. You could spend all this time working to accomplish something, but then you end up right back where you started. And Solomon says, that's futility. Why even bother? Nothing stays done. There's no finality to anything. Think about it. You cook dinner tonight. Guess what you got to do tomorrow? You got to cook it again. Or Pizza Hut's cooking it. But somebody's got to cook dinner. Uh, you, you got up this morning and you brushed your teeth. Hopefully. That's not good for the week. 
You got to do it again. Amen to that. You got to do it again tomorrow or tonight. You know, it, it, it's and, and tomorrow. But I'm saying, you know, you have to do it again. You, you clean the house. You got kids in the house. Guess how long that house is clean? 0.5 seconds. You got to do it again. You iron your clothes. You got to do it again. You drive to work one day. You're not done driving to work. You got to drive back from work. Then you got to drive the next day. You fix something in your house. Something else fixes. Something else breaks. You got to fix that. Then something. The thing you first fix breaks again. You mow the grass, and guess what? A couple days later, it's growing. And if you have animals like we do now, it's ten feet high after two days. And you know, and, and all of this stuff that we do, you shower, you got to shower again. You brush your teeth, you got to brush your teeth again. You walk with God, you got to walk with God again tomorrow. You came to church tonight, but guess what? You're supposed to come Sunday and Wednesday again. And, and so sometimes, though, when we look at this, it can just seem like an endless uh, circle. And uh, even the big projects, decorating your house, painting, everything has to be done again and again and again. Nothing stays done except for getting saved. That stays done. Except for getting baptized. That stays done. And aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad you don't have to get saved again today? Aren't you glad you don't have to wonder, did I lose it? Did I lose it today? And now i got to pray again? So there are things spiritually, but, there are, but most things in life have to be done daily. And there is a grind to it, and, and, and it's not anything that stays done. And you know, sometimes it's good for us to do things that just stay done. The mindset needs to be, write this in please, the mindset needs to be that we focus on doing right today. Well, I'm going to have to do it all over again tomorrow. Yeah, but you don't have to live tomorrow today. You have to live today today. Some people live yesterday today. You can't do that. You can't fix it. And some people live tomorrow today. If you're living yesterday today, you're trying to fix something that can't be fixed. You're living tomorrow today. That's anxiety and worry over something and fear over something that, how, how can you fix tomorrow? You can't, but you can work on today. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it, not be worried about tomorrow or, 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 or wishing we could, regretful of, of yesterday, wish we could change this and, and worried about, no, let's live today. You can't change yesterday. You can't fix tomorrow, but you can do right today. And uh, if you do right today, then guess what? Then you got to get up tomorrow and do right again. You know, I've learned in my life to be thankful for normal days. I'm thankful for normal days. Days where there's no car accidents. Days where there's no colds and, and pneumonia or bronchitis or, or whoever knows what else is out there now. I'm thankful for just the normal days. So he says here, no finality is, is kind of the attitude that he has here. Everything's just got to do it again and again and again. Nothing stays done. Then verse number eight, here's a word that you may not be familiar with, no satiety, or you can also say in English satiety, satiate means to be satisfied, and I wanted them to all to rhyme, so finality, all of that, so no, no satiety, uh, nothing, nothing satisfies, nothing fulfills, I'm never satiated. Like when you're really thirsty when playing sports and you get that Gatorade or, or the water or whatever it is and you drink it and you're just like, oh, you're satisfied. For, for, for people that are living for this world, there's never that. Look at you at verse 8. All things are full of labor. Man, everything takes work. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear with hearing. You know, I'm not, we're not satisfied with it. We always want more. 
There's, there's no satiety. There's no satiety, or you, you could say. Proverbs 27, 20 says, hell and destruction are never full. So death, and, and, and we would say for hell, because it's the grave, and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. There's always something else we want. There's always something else to, 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 to look for. Have you ever eaten too much sugar? You eat, you know, you eat a couple boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts. After a while, you know what happens? The sugar loses taste. Like, it's no, like, you take, okay, I guarantee you, you had, let's just say you had chicken, potatoes, and broccoli for dinner like we had, okay, and it was delicious. And then, you know, after you go home, you see a nice Krispy Kreme donut because they are fantastic. And you see that donut there, and it's like, it's steaming, and that glistening surface of just pure sugar or whatever it is, some kind of drug on top of it is, is amazing, and you go and you take a big bite of it, oh, and you, you get that little, that little feeling in the back of your jaw, you know, like it's, it's like a tightening in the back of your jaw because you get that sugar hit because we're all addicted to sugar so badly. But you know what? You eat about 10 of those things, it doesn't taste like anything. Why? Because you've had so much of it. When you get a lot of something, you don't really appreciate something. You've lost the ability to enjoy it. You can have too much of a good thing. You really can. And so what happened with Solomon is he got everything he wanted. He saw a lady. Let's marry her. He saw a land. Let's get it. He saw some luxury. I'll take it. And after a while of just getting everything you want, you don't want it. You ever see a kid that's spoiled? Oh, thank you for this $100 iPod. You know, and then there's not even iPods anymore, I don't think. But, you know, whatever it is. And they want something else. And then, oh, they got that. Never satisfied because they are getting everything they want. Now, here's the thing. If you are consuming what this world offers, there's nothing that can satisfy the hunger of the flesh. But, but write this in. The world cannot satisfy the hunger of the soul. It's impossible. You cannot satisfy a spiritual need with a physical object. You can't say, uh, you know, I have a problem in my soul. Here, eat this sandwich. You know, it may make your body feel better and, and thereby make your mind feel, uh, uh, you know, calmer, thereby helping your spirit be better. But for spiritual matters, I mean, the world cannot satisfy the hunger of a soul. It, it, you know, it, it, you can try it, but it doesn't work. But, but contrast that with what Jesus said. So the world cannot satisfy your hunger and your thirst for things. It cannot satiate you. But listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are they which you hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled, satisfied, filled up, wanting no more. Listen to this, John, 14, uh, John 4, 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, the woman at the well, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. What's Jesus doing? Satisfying, quenching, fulfilling, giving uh, abundance. John 6, 35, Jesus saith unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So you've got a soul problem where there is just, you can never have enough and nothing satisfies and nothing fulfills you. 
That's, you know, that's what we call hitting rock bottom, where people get to that point where drugs and alcohol and relationships and all these things no longer satisfy. They look up and they go, what else is there in life? And if they're smart, they look up because they're at the very bottom and all they can see is that God is the only thing that can satisfy because nothing around them worked. And that's the lesson Solomon is learning here is that nothing, nothing is bringing the satisfaction. There's no satiety. There's no finality. There's no uh, variety in life. Look at verses 9 and 10. Y'all with me tonight? Everybody with me? Okay, here we go. Verses 9 and 10. We're getting down to the end here. The thing that hath been... It is that which shall be. Happened before, it'll happen again. And that which is done is that which shall be done. It was done before, it'll be done again. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new. It hath already been of old time, which was before us. What's he saying? There's no novelty. Nothing is novel, nothing is brand new, nothing is innovative, nothing is creative. It's all been seen, it's all been done before. There's nothing, there's no novelty, no originality. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I've seen it before. In Numbers chapter 11, verse 6, remember when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and they were getting manna every day. And they said, we remember the leeks and the garlic that we had back in Egypt. And then they said this in the next verse, but now our soul, our soul is dried away. Not their mouth, not their stomach, our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. That very manna that was keeping them alive, by the way, that very manna that God gave to them that they didn't even deserve, what are they saying? We would die for anything new. And so they prayed. They wanted quail. And God said, okay. And what did he do? He gave them quail up to their shoulder blades. So they're like, oh, we don't want this quail anymore. You want to go back to the manna? Okay, let's go back to the manna. No, no, we, we just want the new thing. People in churches do this. God, I want the new thing. Christians do that. I want the, I want the new thing. You know, we got to be very careful that we don't become fad chasers as Christians, that we are, we're not seeking what's popular in the world. We're seeking, what does God want? What pleases Jesus? I imagine someone going to Solomon, hey, Solomon, there was this weird wild animal running around the outside of the, out of the camp. I've got 12 of them. Hey, Solomon, did you see that beautiful lady walking down the street? I got a 1,000 of them. I mean, can you imagine that mindset? Like, seeing it, I've got it. I've got 10. You know, I've got 100. I've got something better than that. And there's just, to him, there's nothing. He had it all that he wanted. That's, that's an amazing prospect that, that, that he, or, or mindset that he had. If, you've been, if, if you think you've seen it all, you probably aren't appreciating what you've seen. I've got to have something new. You know, people do this in relationships. I've been married to this person so long, and I've got to have something. You know, and and it's, it's a wrong mentality. Also, when you have that mentality, you, you miss the beauty of the things that are around you. Got to have something new. You know what's amazing to me? For a man who could not find anything new to pique his interest and, uh, you know, got bored with all that he had, Solomon sure found something new at the end of his life, didn't he? He found new gods. Did you write that in? That's a blank on your sheet there. He found new gods to worship, and he forsook the one real God. Gets these wives. These wives have all these false gods. 
And he's like, oh, there's nothing new under the sun. Hey, why don't you worship Shamash? Why don't you, why don't you worship Molech? Why don't you set up a... And he does. And I don't know if it was just his heart was so tainted by uh, these relationships or if it was just like everything's old, I need something new. I, I, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of things that went into it, but we better be careful about the new things. If, you know, I've heard a quote a long time ago, if it's true, it ain't new. And if it's new, it ain't true. You know, some new truth coming out. I've got a new revelation from God. Time out. You better just be like, ah, turning that off. Uh, God spoke to me in a vision tonight. Nope. I'm not listening. No, thank you. That's why God told us in Jeremiah to seek for the old paths. They're tried. They're true. And, and we can and, and follow therein. And that's a good thing. No novelty. Nothing new under the sun. No finality. Nothing stays done. No satiety. Nothing satisfies my soul. No variety. Man, it's just boring day in and day out. And lastly, no legacy, no memory. No legacy, no memory. Look at verse 4 as we're wrapping it up. Verse 4 says, One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. What's he saying? People come and people go, but the world keeps turning. That's what he's saying. The, the world didn't stop when David, his father, died. The world didn't stop when Solomon died. And guess what? The world's not going to stop when you and I die. It's going to keep going. And then what will be remaining of what we had? Solomon, another part of Scripture, says, and then I just leave everything I've made for the guy coming behind me. You know, it just, he felt like there's no, there, there's no legacy to be left. Look at verse 11. There is no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be any remembrance of those that are to come with those uh, that shall come after. He said, you know, uh, uh, the people that are coming after are not even going to remember what we did. You know, everybody living here today, I mean, no one's going to remember them in the next generation. That was his mindset. That's what he's saying here. No one's going to remember it anyway. Everything we do will be forgotten. You know, every work that you did. But can I just ask you, is that true? Will you be remembered? Will our works live on? Here's what I want to say about that. That may be true if you view things from under the sun. But remember, write this in, there is something over the sun. There is heaven. There is God. And God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. That's what the word of God says. God doesn't miss anything you did. God didn't, didn't uh, uh, you know, he, when you did that nice thing for someone and no one else knew you did it, God wasn't sleeping. He saw it. Absolutely. And then you think about the people that are around you. Will they remember you? Absolutely. There, there will be a legacy. You, you know, we talked a little bit about that with Miss Betty uh, Sahade at, at, at her funeral and, and at Brother Cole. There's a legacy left behind there. And we should not be quick to forget that. Certainly, we remember people that have left an indelible print upon our lives with their testimony and with the work that they did. Absolutely. I think about Brother Cole. I don't think we're going to be quick to forget his voice anytime soon. I don't think it's going to be like in three months. Wow, he used to sing, didn't he? What was his voice like? Was he like a high tenor? I think we're going to remember. I, I, you know, the... But above, beyond that, you know, you think about the work with the mission, and you think about the people that have been here and, and are in eternity now. I mean, there was, there was stuff they left behind, certainly. A testimony, a legacy. And Solomon's mentality here is, oh, it's all, it doesn't matter anyway. It's, no one's going to remember this. We obviously remember him. 
We're talking about him today. So in some ways, yeah, he's wrong. Because we do remember things, and there is a memory, there is a legacy. So as we're going through this, and we're seeing this book here, again, I know it's a very pessimistic-sounding book, but it does turn positive. There, there, is, there is a conclusion to the matter. But what I want to just encourage you about today is as we're viewing this, have you ever, have you gotten to this point in your life and, and in your spirit at times? Maybe it's a, a problem of, hey, you know, it's futile and my life, you know, it feels empty right now. And I feel like I'm doing the same thing. And, and maybe for you, there's no variety. And, and that's a problem. You need to spice some things up. Maybe there's no finality and you feel like I got to do the same thing every day. Well, do right today. Focus on today. There's nothing that satisfies. Well, we know the Bible says that Jesus is the only thing that satisfies. So stop trying to get the, the world's goods. You've got to have the newest thing to, to satisfy. You're not going to be satisfied. There's no novelty. There's nothing new. Uh, you, you know, be careful about jumping on the new thing. And then there's low, no legacy, no memory. Yeah, there, there is a memory. The memory of the just is blessed. And there are people that leave behind a legacy. And let's be those people. So as we look at the sheet tonight, as we close, how many of these things are even true that he said? But how, how, I think this is important. How many are true to you? In other words, you're feeling that way in your own heart and life. And I want to just ask you tonight, here's the last blank, and don't just write it in, but think about it. How's your spirit today? How's your spirit? Are you down? Are you feeling like, oh, I'm never getting out of this hole? Are you feeling like, man, every day just seems like the same thing, and I just can't make any progress? What's your spirit like? How do you feel about life? How do you feel about work? How do you feel about the situation you're in? Don't let it become like Solomon's mentality. And I think if you go back through this list and begin to think, you'll be able to come up with some things to maybe shake you out of that. If it's just boredom, it's every day the same thing, maybe there's some things you could spice up. If it's just, you know, uh, you feel like I got to do the same thing every single day and nothing stays done, focus on doing the right thing today. You can't fix tomorrow. Jesus will satisfy you. Run to Christ. You, you know, be careful about just jumping on the new, on the new fads and things. And, and of course, remember that people will remember the works that you did, if not just here in heaven. And so just a couple thoughts for you. And I, I hope you'll give yourself just a little, you know, in a car you pull out the dipstick and you, and that's not just a, another name for a teenager. A dipstick is the thing you put uh, uh, in, in the car and you pull out and you check the oil, you know. And you, you pull that out to check and make sure everything's uh, on the level. And I hope that maybe tonight you'll just pull that out and check your own spirit and say, hey, how's my spirit? How's my spirit? And if something's not right, hey, let's take that attitude to the Lord and address it biblically and try to say, hey, what can I do to get my attitude back to where I'm not pessimistic like Solomon, but I'm, I'm, I'm believing that this is the Lord has been. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So just some thoughts for you tonight. Father, bless us, I pray. Uh, as, as we look at this tonight, that, Lord, our, all of our spirits at times get...